Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Speak Your Mind podcast powered by Torch Pro. My name is Tyler Smith. Joined with me as always is my co-host Riley Shan. Today we had an incredible guest on by the name of Luke Prokop. Um, Luke is a native of Edmonton, Alberta, playing for the Edmonton Oil Kings, who was drafted by the Nashville Predators and is the first player under NHL contract to publicly come out as gay. Um, and just, I mean, what a conversation. Um, I think obviously to be able to chat with him and hear a little bit about his story and his process through, you know, the past couple of years was, uh, it was, it, yeah, it left me in awe, honestly. Yeah, I think his story as a, as a young kid to be in such a spotlight and do what he has done. I mean, he's a trailblazer and um, you can tell just by talking to him, uh, he's very professional, he's a leader and um, we had a lot of fun with this one. So, I mean, we wish him all the best in his career and I think what he is doing and advocating uh, for the gay community is is so important and uh, it's beyond hockey. Yeah, there's uh, there's not a lot of 20 year old kids out there with uh, the mind like he has. So uh, to dive into it a little bit was uh, was amazing. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy. So, yeah, Luke, let's uh, let's let's get into it. Obviously, growing up in Edmonton, um, Edmonton is such a, you know, if you're not a part of the Oilers fan base, then uh, you can get out of town. But uh, talk us through the whole, you know, growing up in Edmonton being able to kind of go through the ranks of, you know, Edmonton minor hockey and then, and then on to CC CSSHL. So. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, I loved growing up here. Um, played like white, I was in Northwest. I'm going to start like white mud West. Um, and then Northwest zone in Peewee one year CAC. And then I moved to um, pursuit of excellence in Kelowna um, for my Bantam draft year. Um, yeah, it was cool. I got to go to a lot of weather games when I was younger um our my my grandparents actually had a had a box at, at Rexall so um we got to go and watch a bunch of the games it wasn't a lot to watch we were usually watching the other team because Edmonton was so bad at that time but um we still have one now so sometimes I still get to go watch Connor play and um some of the other guys so it's uh it's, it was nice growing up here and nice to be back home as well so I, I read somewhere was so would Edmonton be your team at heart from growing up or because I read somewhere you were a Nashville fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, well, it was when I was in um, kind of around the Olympics in Vancouver. Um, I started watching Shea Weber a lot just because I thought that we played quite similar. Like we're both big right on a D-man. Um, I was really known for my shot back then, too. So uh, I like to watch him quite a bit. And then I started to watch Nashville kind of from there. Um but yeah, Edmonton would probably has always been like the, the hometown team that I always wanted to win, but just never did because they were so bad. Yeah. <laughs> the decade of darkness. Oh my God. Oh, it was so bad, man. Like, <laughs> I, can't even, uh... I still remember Mark andre Bergeron taking out Dwayne Rolson in 06 and then that was it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like even, even we joke like about in the dressing room of like old Oilers players that used to play there. And uh, it's just, it was just dark those times. Yeah. What was the, they had the run. Was that 2008? 2006. It was, it was 06. They played Carolina in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. I was too young then really to know. I was only like four years old then. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I'm I'm old. I'm a lot older than you guys. So it's it's (laughs) like, that was like my prime, like when I was just so invested in the NHL. I mean, obviously still am, but like, it's different now. Um, But yeah, like they had that, like Fernando Pisani, I remember just go off and, pretty legendary run they had. And obviously the, the market Edmonton fans just going crazy is cool, but yeah. no, that's, that's funny. And then now like 
obviously spent some time in Calgary. I actually moved to Calgary just over a year ago. Uh, what a city. I, I definitely, I miss, you know, I miss Leduc. I miss, you know, my Edmonton buddies and all that, but obviously Calgary is such a good spot. Um, talk us through, you know, that, that WHL, you know, was it all you ever dreamed of, you know, being able to go play in the dub and then, you know, make that journey as you still want to, to go play in the NHL? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I was drafted in Calgary 2017, I think it was, um, played a little bit when I was 15, um, cause they had some guys that were world juniors and some injuries. So I actually played, I think, uh, 14 games when I was 15. Um, and then played my rookie year. Um, it was great there. I enjoyed it. I have a lot of buddies there. Um, quite a few guys actually from Edmonton too. So we all trained together. Um, so we hang out in the summers. I mean, it was just a, a good place, I think, to start my junior hockey career, um, especially in a bigger city. I don't know how well I would do going from Edmonton <laughs> to a small town like PA or something like that. Um, but it was just nice going to Calgary. And then um, obviously coming back home has been has been awesome, too. Do you find the transition hard like from that, like that age? Like You guys are even, I think, like younger than what the Ontario guys who I mean, I went to college, but I had a lot of friends that played in the O. So you guys are even younger when you make that transition, right? Did you find that <laughs> difficult? Um, for me personally, no. I think, well, I mean, obviously it's difficult just with uh, the strength and the speed of the players and, and the guys you have to get adjusted to. Um, but I think the way that I played, you know, uh, just making a strong first pass um, and my defending has always been kind of something I lean on. Um, it wasn't too challenging for me. And it's something I think that, you know, even when I went up to Nashville for, for training camp and stuff like that, I just try to keep it simple. Um, and guys are in the right spots. Um, you know, they, they're smarter at that. I love that level too. So I think that just, that helped me a little bit. Obviously it was a transition, but, um, it wasn't mm -hmm. anything major I felt for me. Yeah. Yeah. When and you have the size to lead on it, it definitely helps for sure. Mm -hmm. And now obviously being back in Edmonton, uh, I'm sure is is so nice to just, you know, be back at home. I mean, playing at Rogers, um, even though I still think Rexall's the goat, um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being back home, but I, I want to touch on, I had a couple, I have a couple of buddies obviously that play in the NHL, but I mean, I'd love to touch on your draft day. I mean, take us through kind of that day. I mean, especially, you know, Shea Weber's your guy, you know, how, how incredible was that experience? It was, it was sweet. Um, I remember I was working, um, I worked as a bartender. That was my first summer. Um, my family actually, we own a golf course out here in Edmonton called Blackhawk. So I was bartending there, um, for the first day of the first round. Uh, and I saw a couple of my buddies go and, you know, I was texting them and they didn't get back to me for a while. So I knew cause they, their phones were blowing up and stuff. Um, but I was, I was trying to, you know, stay kind of calm throughout that night because you know, I, I had a, good idea that I was going to get drafted. Didn't know where. Um, I kind of texted my agent asking him if he had any ideas. He said Edmonton and Nashville were probably his top two teams um, that he thought I was going to. Uh, so I just hung out for that night. Didn't really get any sleep. I got up pretty early because I think that on that day it starts at, I want to say like nine o'clock, my time, 8.30 or nine uh, mountain. So um I got a bunch of my uh, friends and family. We went out to the golf course and we like on a projector, we put it up on a big TV. 
So I just sat with them with there and, and watched it all happen. Um, they had some workers there who, you know, like were giving us food and stuff. I wasn't eating at all. I remember it got, I think it was like in the late second round and my parents were like, like badgering me to eat. Like I had finally had to eat something cause I didn't eat anything at all in the morning. And I could only have like two or three pieces of like eggs and toast. And that was it. Um, and then I think it was Nashville traded there. They had two third round picks. Um, and I knew I was going to go somewhere in that like 70 to 85 range. I think it was. Um, and I knew they had traded one away. Um, so I was kind of like a little bit down, not knowing if, you know, I had two opportunities to go to Nashville. Um, so then the, it was the 73rd pick and I was freaking out too. Cause I didn't want to be one of those guys who they were going through commercial breaks and stuff. And I didn't want to be like getting drafted as they were in commercial, like where they announced the picks and stuff. So like your phone would be blowing up before you even got announced. And luckily I think I was like the last one before commercial break, but then, you know, my phone got up. I was like, I stood up and I was like, I didn't really know what to do. Cause like at the draft, I was going to go to Montreal for the draft. And normally like you stand up, you have all your family and friends that are there. And then you go down to the, to the table or whatever. So I just like, there was just a group of us. There was a bunch of chairs and everything. I just stood up and I was like, well, I don't know what to do now. So I just started like hugging everyone. Um, and then I got a phone call. I don't even honestly don't even remember who it was from. Um, but, uh, I, he just talked to me, you know, welcomed me to the organization. Um, I cried a bunch on the phone too. Um, so it was just really cool. I mean, especially with Nashville being my favorite team, um, and then me and my buddies, you know, it was still COVID at that time, but we, we had a good time. We went out after. And so it was a pretty special day. That's a good day, especially uh, parents owning a golf course and you could kind of get access to a little bit of. Yeah, it's nice. Little, <laughs> a little it's fun right on hand and, for you. It's right on hand. Yeah, that's a good setup. No, that, that day is so special. It's cool. You got to spend it there. And, um, especially with the people that are close to you. I, I mean, I remember my, my draft day and it was like just a whirlwind and I was at the draft in LA and um, like, you're right. Like you do like things happen afterwards that you, you don't remember. Like you, it's yeah. just such like a, I mean, you, you wait for that moment your whole life almost. And then it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, I mean, Luke, I just, I uh, obviously I have so much respect for you. Um, I, I commend you. I admire you. Um, I, I would love to, I know you just did the whole process of, uh, of the draft day. Um, and I mean, I think obviously another very monumental day in your life was the, that Instagram post. Um, I mean, being able to, I, I read it a couple times and I think, you know, just being able to articulate, you know, what you were feeling in that moment is just something I can't even imagine. Um, so I'd love to, you know, obviously people, People knew before you had, you know, you told a couple of people and, and, uh, but how, how was that day? How was that day? As soon as you clicked that button, I mean, how was that? I, I'm sure you can't put it into words, but I'd love to know, you know, kind of that process. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, again, like the draft day, it's like things I forget about that day, um, that just like go past me. Um, but I mean, I, I woke up, I think it was, I got to my agent's office around seven thirty. They had like they again. They had the post like just waiting for me there on a separate phone. Um, wanted to make it as easy as possible. 
Um, and then I, I sat, like I sat with my agents probably for a good, you know, two, three hours. Um, I didn't go on any social media at all for like the first, the whole day, really. Um, I only got text messages and snaps and stuff from, from everyone. But I mean, that day was crazy. Um, I was getting, my phone was blowing up for you know, two days straight. Um, I was getting texts from so many like cool people. I remember I was sitting at, we went for lunch, um, at Joey's, my agent's office is downtown. It was just like a two minute walk from Joey Bell Tower. So we went there for, for lunch and we were sitting there and my agent passed me the phone and it was, um, Austin Matthews had sent me a text. Um, I got a bunch of other ones, but that was, that was one that really stuck out to me. Um, and again, I think just the support I got, um, from everyone in the hockey world. Um, but even it was cool to see how far, like my message was getting across my story. I was getting messages from people in Australia and Germany and Sweden, you know, saying that I was in the news or in the newspaper, um, stuff like that was, was, was really cool. And I still get those texts and, um, it's quite humbling and just to see how far my story's gotten and, um, just seeing how many people I've reached as well has been awesome. Was that a, was it a surprise to you at all? Like the outpouring amount of support? Like, did you, like, obviously, like, I feel like, you know, like who's going to support you and you know, there's people out there, but did you expect it to go that far? Or, I mean, I guess that's kind of a dumb question, but I guess, I guess my question is like that amount was, was it surprising to you? I mean, yeah, it's not a dumb question at all because I mean, no one, there had been a few people who had done it, but no one really liked, no, I was under contract in the NHL. Um, there had been some other people who had retired or playing overseas. Um, so we knew it was, it was going to be a big deal, but we didn't know how big of a deal it would be. Um, and it was definitely way bigger than I thought it was. Um, and then I think too, I mean, the one thing I think everyone goes through when they come out is just the reaction of if it's going to be accepting or not, if it's going to be positive or negative. And going looking back on that day i don't think i had one negative you know message even if it was just from some robot or some bum in their mom's basement who are 40 years old like i didn't have one um obviously my my agents and um i had a i have a social media manager and they they kind of if they saw anything negative they try to keep it away from me at the time but um i mean no i definitely didn't think it would be that big and um, just again, just to see how far and wide my message got was, was crazy. Is your, is your agent, is it Bain? Is that? No, uh, is, I'm with, uh, I'm with the sports corporation and Jerry Johansson. But do you, do you have a relationship with Bain? Is it Pettinger? Cause I, yeah. listen, I just, I just listened to him and we were kind of leading up to this, just to, I saw him on spit and chicklets and they, they talked about you for a bit. But um, he had the good point about saying, like, like when you come out and when you release this Instagram message, the amount of comments and the amount of support, like, it's so cool to see because now the people that do say something negative and are those weirdos sitting in their parents' basement and whatever, you know, they're the, out, like, they're the, that. Yeah, they're the outsiders. Weird, yeah. They're the outsiders now. And it's like, they're the ones that, that have the issue. So. I mean, I commend you so much for that. And I like that point when he said that. Um, I think it's just great. Yeah, yeah. thank you. I appreciate it.
I I mean, I just go back to, I, yeah, I just have so much respect for you. I, I unfortunately had to uh, deal with the wrath of uh, the, the robots behind social media. Uh, I released 16 balloons yeah. for uh, the first anniversary and I literally had people saying, you're going to kill the birds. And I was like, yeah. really? Like, are we, are yeah, we doing this right now? Um, but I mean, I also had the privilege of, of really being able to feel how special the hockey community is. I mean, it's just, yeah. it was mind blowing to me. I mean, the way that the hockey community can rally around someone or something or a team. Um, and I guess my question to you is you got, you have so many people in your corner now, but I mean, there's two important people that I think uh, I would assume that you really value and that's Brian Burke and Brock McGillis. Um, I think those two names are so monumental in this space. And I just want to know how important their influence in that relationship and cultivating that relationship has been for you. Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, me and Brock probably text on a weekly basis, just checking in now. Um, I mean, the the way he kind of, when I first started talking to him is, is he, the first thing he said to me is like, we're family now and you're never going to get rid of me. Um, if you ever need anything that I can reach out to him and, that was the same message from Brian. Um, I don't talk to him as much, but he still checks in every now and then. Um, if I, and if I ever need anything, I have, I have those two in my corner. Brock was actually huge um, just in, in helping me kind of with the media sense because he had already gone through it a little bit before. Um, so we did kind of some training and making sure I'm using kind of the proper language, um, stuff like that in terms of interviews and media. Um, making sure I'm presenting myself well now. Um, I'm kind of, uh, kind of a role model now for, for kids. Um, so I always have to make sure that I'm, I'm doing everything proper and, and not, you know, being arrogant or cocky really about anything on social media. Um, but those two were huge for me. Um, they allowed me to be comfortable with coming out. You know, they were, they were, put, they weren't pushing me to, um, they weren't pushing me to, to come out. They wanted me to do it on my own time. Um, which was really nice of them as well. Um, and now I'm, I'm happy that I can kind of be one of those guys for, for the next person that, that comes along. Yeah. I saw your, I saw your, in your post, um, I'm pulled a quote from it. Like, I hope that in sharing who I am can help other people see that gay people are welcome in the hockey community. And we just had this talk. We had a talk with JT Brown actually before we spoke with you. And obviously he's a black player and he played, a while in the NHL and we kind of had a similar um, similar conversation in that he wants he's our colored play-by-play now in, in uh, Seattle and what he wants is for black kids that come through playing hockey where their dream stops at the junior level or whatever um, to still be able to pursue a career whether it's in play-by-play radio um, physical therapy referees whatever it is and within hockey how important is it to you to spread that towards the gay community that just because your hockey career ends at whatever level doesn't mean there's no space for you in the game anymore? Huge. I mean, um, that's the probably the biggest thing, um, messages I get uh, when I first, you know, put out my post was, you know, they stopped playing hockey at a, you know, if it doesn't matter if it was at a, at a younger level or, you know, they, they made it to junior or they wanted to, um, you know, pursue professional hockey and they just couldn't because they didn't feel accepted. Um, so, you know, being that, you know, role model in a sense for those kids. And I mean, it's not just kids. I talked about it 
with my with my family and friends all the time is like I'm not just influencing um you know kids my age it's it's all everyone you know um guys older than me who are you know in their 40s or something that have hit it their whole life um guys like that too um need to you know be able to see that there is a space for people like like us in the community and um they can be have successful careers in whatever they do yeah and i think i i kind of have went through the same thing um just with the whole mental health and public speaking side of things not to compare my story to yours but i think it's just so profound i mean when you have an adult or someone you know who you maybe look up to or someone who's who's experienced a whole lifetime and and coming up to you expressing how much your vulnerability and your courage and your like just how much that affected them. I think that is just something that I found to be so raw. It's just like, you know, why would I'm you're, you know, young too. And I'm just like, well, how are we making an impact on these people? Like, I mean, they've, they've experienced the whole lifetime, but I wanted to revert back to, um, I watched the, uh, the interview you did with uninterrupted and I, uh, I just saw that one quote you said, I think it, it hit me. I mean, the whole, you had a plan, you had a plan if things didn't go your way and, and you weren't accepted. I mean, how tough was that and how challenging was that being in your own mentals or with your thoughts, you know, thinking about that plan, you know, cultivating a plan if things don't work out. I mean, that's something that I, I, I really just, I can't even try to begin to relate to. So I, I'd love to hear, you know, how challenging that was for you to, you know, live inside your own mind, knowing that I might have to go forward with this plan. Yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, probably one of the reasons why I didn't do it sooner. Um, I'm a big overthinker as well. So those, you know, late nights on the bus or um, just lying in your bed at night, overthinking about literally everything. Um, but that was the main issue that come, came up because I wasn't living, you know, my true self. I wasn't being who I wanted to be. And that plan was, you know, uh, I thought a possibility for me, you know, a real possibility for me for a long time. Um, because I didn't know, again, how the, the hockey world or, if, you know, that plan was kind of made before I told my family and friends. Um, I knew, you know, once after I told them that I didn't really have to, that plan wasn't going to be there anymore because I could just be myself with my family and friends. I mean, at the end of the day, hockey, it's a game I love. Um, I've played it my whole life, but it's, it's just a sport. It's not, it doesn't define who I am. So, you know, if, if I had to go on living my life, the way I wanted to without hockey, then I would have done it a hundred percent. But um, the, just the support I got from, from my family and friends kind of made me realize that that was the right decision, no matter what I, what hockey or not, um, I had to go through with it. And um, I think that my family and friends could also see that it was something was wrong too beforehand. Um, you know, talking with them, not really being myself. Um, I, I was actually kind of thankful for COVID, you know, with all the, you know, bad stuff that happened from it and, you know, everyone dying, it was horrible, but it kind of gave me a real, real chance to talk to myself of what I really wanted to do with my future. Um, and, you know, I was, I was thankful that I got that time and I was able to, you know, really be confident in myself and time to take that leap of faith and, you know, come out to everyone. You talk about like your, the support from your family and friends. And I mean, I have a sister who, she'd classify as, as being bi and she 
approached me or she phone called me actually when I played in Detroit, uh, probably like six, six years ago or so. And she was beginning a relationship with another girl. And I think just that conversation did a lot for our relationship. Um, obviously I had the most support for her and I wanted whatever made her happy. And, um, I almost felt like it strengthened our relationship and kind of made it deeper because it was just one of those conversations that you have in life that it's hard. And when you can go through things with other people that are hard, I think it's just kind of can build character can, um, like I said, strengthen relationships. So I just wonder if that's the same experience for you. I know you've spoken very highly about your family and, um, I wonder what those conversations were like for you. Yeah. I mean, the first person I told was my sister. Um, again, I mean, with COVID being a thing, I never really had a close relationship with my sister. She was, she's five years older than me. Um, never really talked about anything. She kind of sees herself as the out child because me and my brother play hockey and my parents are so invested in us. So, um, she kind of thinks she's the forgotten one. Um, but in COVID we just, you know, we hung out every day cause we were the only people we can hang out with. So, um, you know, we would hang out, play games, talk all the time. Um, and then kind of like a month in, um, I started thinking about like, you know, what if I wanted to start telling people and who I wanted to be the first person, the first person was my sister. And, you know, if, if COVID wasn't a thing or, you know, I don't think she would have been the first person to tell. And I don't know who would have been that first person and if that would have delayed my coming out process or not. Um, but I mean, the connection we have now, I think from her being the first one I told and seeing how she reacted has made us even closer than we were before. Not to say that the other conversations I had with my other family and friends didn't make us close, but the connection I have now with my sister is, is amazing. We hang out every day now um, because I'm home and, you know, we just, we shoot the shit. We talk about everything all the time. So it's, it's been really nice to, you know, to have that relationship with her. Yeah. I think that, I mean, same thing for me. Um, I definitely COVID as well with me and my brother. Um, I think obviously the, after the accident, it was definitely a sense of, okay, we're, we're, we're brothers and we should, you know, figure out a relationship and try and be better yeah. for each other. And I mean, I just look back at even just the past, you know, four years with my sibling and it's just, it is so incredibly refreshing to be able to know that no matter what's going on, they're in your corner. And I mean, I think the biggest misconception I had ultimately was with my friends. And I mean, utilizing my support system and, and also thinking that, okay, well, I play hockey and I'm a male, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get instant shame. I'm going to get in, instant weakness. I'm going to get instant, you know, all this that I think we all ultimately kind of grew up thinking in the game of hockey. But um, I guess my question to you now is just like how, and how refreshing is it to now be able to fully utilize your support system at all times, instead of, you know, having to, having to, you know, have those thoughts in your mind and, and kind of lie to yourself um, and now be able to, you know, this is, this is me, you know, and, and as much as you guys, you know, loved me when I, when I didn't come out, I mean, you guys still love me even when I'm out. I mean, I think that's just, that's profound. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't talk to anyone really for, you know, 17 years of my life. If I said, if I heard anything on the ice, you know, if, if I was getting slurs on the ice, I couldn't really go to anyone and say it was affecting me because I wasn't comfortable telling people that I was gay. 
Um, but I mean, now, like it, it's been unreal, especially with the guys in Edmonton, not to say that the guys in Calgary weren't like that because they had only known for a little bit, but I mean, you know, I'm in a relationship now. Um, the guys in Calgary, you know, they always want to meet him. They always want to know how he's doing. Um, like little things like that, that I never really thought about before coming out is just so nice and refreshing. Like, you know, even if I get asked a question about, geez, I don't know, like, like uh, someone was talking to me the other day about, you know, like gay bars and stuff. And they were asking me like, if there's any here, if, if they, if like we can go to one and I was like, yeah, sure. But I don't think you really want to go to one. Um, just like little things like that, that are just like so cool that I never really thought about before coming out that, um, that I can talk to people about now is, is awesome. Yeah. I think you're one, the one quote in your Instagram post talking about like, it says living my authentic life will allow me to bring my whole self to the rink and improve my chance of fulfilling my dreams. Like I'm a big believer and totally different situations, but just for me, like if I can get every other aspect of my life cleaned up, then that will allow me to play my best hockey. Um, so I work with a life coach and I really work with my wife and I, we try to just ha like hammer down, how can I be the best human I can be? And then I can go to the rink and I don't have to worry about anything going on at home, any issues I have. And I think that's a really, it's a little bit of like a, not a focus point for a lot of guys. They think they're just going to show up and play and everything's going to work out the way they want to. And when things go wrong, it hits them really hard. And in your situation, I'm just, obviously you coming out relieves a lot of stress and, um, just talk about that idea of being clear-minded when you play and how it's kind of developed your game to that, to that next step and where you want to take it. Yeah. I, that was a big part of it as well. Um, I think, I mean, even in the off season, um, you know, going to the gym every day, that was, it was like kind of the, the rink in the in season. Like I couldn't really get away from it really. Um, but I had to, you know, just kind of focus in on getting, going to the gym and getting stronger every day. But I mean, at the same time, like I was, I was hiding my phone, like, cause I was in my relationship before I came out and before, um, you know, I told a lot of my family and friends. So I was hiding my phone, um, from like at the gym, I was, I would have it face down, just little things like that, um, that I don't have to think about doing anymore. Um, the, the, like the slurs on the, on the, on the ice. If I, I mean, I haven't heard any, um, this year or really ever since I came out, but if I do, um, you know, having those people that I can talk to about it, um, not having the thoughts of, you know, well, you know, if, if someone says something to me, is that going to get me off my game? How I'm going to respond to that. If I over respond to it, are people going to question some things? Um, just kind of little things like that that would go into my mind on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it be at the gym or at the rink. Um, but I mean, now it's, it's been awesome. I think I've been able to, you know, bring my full present self to the gym, to the rink every day. Um, I've, I've been my most confident, I think on the ice this season, uh, I've played my best hockey this season as well. And I'm playing with a great group of guys who have my back a thousand percent. So, you know, I know if something is said on the ice or off the ice, uh, I have a full team behind me, um, by my back to make sure I'm okay. That's awesome. And a damn good team at that, dude. I can't wait to see what you guys get, get going with playoffs. Um, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big quotes guy. And I think, uh, 
one quote that's always resonated with me, obviously, I might chuck two quotes at you here. Um, the privilege of, privilege of a lifetime is becoming who you truly are. And I think obviously, you know, you going through that process now and ultimately becoming who you truly are has allowed you, like you said, I mean, you're the, you're the most confident you've ever been, which I mean, it's, it's probably such an interesting, it's probably such a unique feeling. Cause I mean, obviously you played in the dub for how many years and, and now this being, you know, that this is your season and, and you're at your best. And I mean, being that confident self, but I mean, at the same time, I want to touch on the spotlight. I want to touch on, you know, the fact that another quote, my, uh, my therapist said, this is a quote that I will take with me to the day I die. She said that your spotlight, it can be the light at the end of other people's tunnels. And I mean, you were ultimately, um, as soon as that Instagram post was made, I mean, that, that was that there came the spotlight and I really want to know how it's been finding that balance because you said, you know, that you want to help a lot of people. You want to, as much as you said, we say the same thing, but if we can affect just one person, I mean, mission accomplished, that's our job. Um, but obviously I can imagine there's a lot of people that have came to you for whether it's advice or just want to tell their story. And, and that's a weight. I mean, as much as, you know, I try to not look at it as a weight in my situation, and maybe you tr don't try to look at it as a weight. I mean, that's a weight on your shoulders while you're playing hockey and while you're, you know, trying to actively pursue your dream of the NHL. So I'd love to know how that balance has been, you know, between, just being you, just being, you know, playing, playing hockey and also, you know, being this advocate for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, one thing for me is I always like, I don't like, you know, talking about hockey really at home. I think, you know, I'm at the rink for so long. Hockey's my whole life that I don't want to be surrounded when I, when I get home. So like, if my dad wants, wants to talk to me about hockey, like I'll give him a couple minutes and then like, that's it for the night. So, um, I think, you know, when I get reached out to with other people with messages and stuff, that's kind of a way to, to, you know, not it's, I mean, it is because I'm a hockey player. Like they reached out to me because, you know, I, I'm gay and I'm a hockey player and they want some advice. They want to tell their story, but um, I don't like to see it as a weight. I think it's, you know, it's, it's awesome that, you know, who's ever messaging me, you know, they have the courage, you know, whether it, you know, whatever it be that they might be messaging me for, um, but it, it is overwhelming at some points, you know, I kind of have to stop myself from, you know, answering too many in a day. Um, because I think I can, I get caught in the mode where I just keep scrolling and scrolling and, and answering, you know, questions that I can, um, stuff like that. So I try not to do it, you know, before games, stuff like that. Um, just to get myself ready, ready for the night before, um, before I have a game, but I mean, it's, it's awesome. I think my, my personality is like that. Like I always want to help people. So, you know, if, if I wasn't like that before, maybe it would have been um, harder for me to kind of separate the two and, and answer so many in a day. But um, I always want to help people and uh, I want to answer as much as I can. So, you know, whenever I get a notification on my phone, I always look at it, you know, right away and just make sure that um I'm in the right headspace to answer it as well, too. I don't want to, you know, um, have a bad game or something and then, you know, start talking to someone and asking me a question, you know, if they come out, like, how will it be perceived? Because I don't want to give any negative negative stuff to them. So um, I try to make sure that I'm in the right headspace for it as well. Yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a, a way to decompress. It's almost like yeah. a, just a nice little outlet that I guess you 
probably maybe did you anticipate that before? I mean, obviously we talked about the support, but did you anticipate the just like even just the the random individuals who might not even play hockey, you know, messaging you? Like, did you anticipate that? Yeah. Uh yeah. When when I talked with Brock, that was one of the things that he said too was you're gonna get a lot of messages from a lot of people inside and outside of hockey. Um, you know, with a whole bunch of different stories. And you 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 it's <laughs> It's, it was an obligation. He said that, you, you know, you, you put yourself in the spotlight. So, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you have to, you know, be able to message these people and answer them and, and give them your advice because you're going through it. And they, without your advice, they may not want to do it at all. So that was something that we talked about. And again, he helped me work through, you know, some answers, um, some, he gave me some examples of some messages he got and what I would say, and we went through it, stuff like that. Um, but I don't think I anticipated as many messages I, as I got and I keep getting, but you know, it's, it's still really nice to, to get all those messages and provide help when I can. Luke, you said you don't like to take, uh, take the game home with you. So what do you, what do you like to do on your downtime? Um, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot here. Yeah, no, we <laughs> don't golfer. No, I actually wasn't. Really? Well, no, I was when I was really young. Yeah. Um, I was like 12, 13, because the course opened when I was one. So it's been around mm-hmm. ever since I've been born. Um, I was big golfer, 12, 13 years old. Then I moved to POE when I was 14. And I just sort of like lost touch with all my buddies back home because, you know, I was there for so long. I wasn't really great at, you know, um, communication and keeping in contact with seeing like, you know, asking how everyone's doing and stuff. So when I got back, I really didn't have anyone to golf with. Um, I could golf with my brother, but he would always beat me. And he, I, we don't, we just have the too much of like a competitive fight against each other. that would just end horribly. And I don't want to golf with my dad because if it goes well, it's, it's completely fine. But if he's playing bad, like don't talk to him for three days because you're going to get ripped on. So I didn't really have anyone to golf with, but um, a couple of the buddies on my team now are big golfers. So I'm sure that's, you know, hopefully we can make a long playoff run and the course will open up kind of. So when we're playing, so we can go out on there after practice and stuff. Yeah. Video games or anything or music, like you got anything, anything that, yeah. that, that really kind of puts you in a good spot. Like music. I always, I'm always listening to music. I listen to everything. Um, I've kind of had to listen to more country now because I get a little bit of shame on it on the internet, on, on social media for being an Asheville fan and not listening to country music. <laughs> yeah. Um, I play, I, I love basketball. That's kind of something that I've, I've got, gotten interested in the past two, three years. Um, I, right. I probably watch more basketball than I do, you know, NHL. Um, who's your, I who's play, your team? Uh, I'm a Sixers and Trailblazers fan. Nice. And then LeBron, wherever LeBron is, I'm always cheering for him too. <laughs> um, but I played a lot of 2K uh, back in the Fortnite now with my buddies. So, um, But we just get shit on every day by a bunch of sweats in their basements. So it's, it's tough to <laughs> have fun back in. What do you call them? Sweats? <laughs> sweats, yeah. They just build and build and build and they edit on you and you're just getting shotgunned in the face. It's not fun. Dude, I am the exact same. I'm the duff of the group too. So they'll send me yeah. in first. And then it's just oh, like, yeah. okay, well, I'm done. Like as soon as I see that those four <laughs> yeah. walls go up in half a second, yeah. I'm like, I'm done. And you're probably yeah. carrying all the meds too. The yeah. Med guys. yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. 
Yeah, Fortnite is back, even with my friend group. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, okay, one last uh, one last question for me. I uh, I've I've I think we've all you know had some time to really you know reflect and and have some personal growth and have some challenges, ups and downs over the past couple of years with COVID, especially. But um, what is one lesson that you really had to endure and now just i mean looking back you can be like wow you know like why did i not whether it's you know involved with the process of coming out or just you know even just your own mental state i mean was there one particular or a couple little things that maybe you had a misconception about that now it's just like ah i wish i knew this before um i think like i mean you're you were big on quotes and the quote that i really like um that i heard you know like a couple it was kind of while i was going through my coming up process was and it was kind of good timing too i think it was right before i was you know going to tell my my sister or one of my friends um one of the two it was uh what if you what if it could be better what if what is it um what if it could, what if it could be better than you can imagine? So, um, that, you know, every single time I, I, you know, went to tell one of my family or friends, I had that quote going in my mind, you know, always. And it was weird for me too, because growing up in, in hockey and stuff, I was quite a, you know, negative, you know, I had a negative headspace as a child, I think. Um, just always thinking about the worst. And I think that's how we kind of are, um, you know, genetically as, as humans, we always think about the worst, but that was something that I thought was really cool. It was every time I went to go tell one of my friends or family that quote was running through my mind as a positive. And, um, I think that has stuck with me ever since, uh, I don't think, I don't really don't know where I would be right now in, in, in hockey and in life, if I hadn't come over yet. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what my career would look like at this point. Um, if I would even be playing the game, uh, stuff like that, that would run through my head, but you know, that quote of what, it, what if it could be better than you can imagine? I mean, that's, that's just something that's, that's been going through my mind, you know, even from, from that day on, um, it's just kind of taking that leap in faith, you know, having courage in yourself, um, you know, being confident and being okay uh, with the results if they're good or bad. That's awesome. Yeah, I think being That's able to obviously embrace the good and the bad is something that, I mean, gets overlooked so much. And um, yeah, I mean, I, you know what we should do this summer? Blackhawk will bring a quote a whole. <laughs> I'll bring 18 okay. quotes in my notebook and we'll we'll duel it out. But uh, yeah. You're going to need I, a beer for every one of those quotes <laughs> two times. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I, uh, Riley, uh, I'll ta- pass it over to you. But I, yeah, I'm just I, completely in awe, brother. I, uh, I, I commend you. I admire you. And uh, yeah, I respect the shit out of you. So. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. Luke, that was a pleasure talking to you. Like I said, your story kind of hit home for me with with the relationship with my sister. And um, I know kind of obviously not experiencing it myself, but just seeing a loved one kind of have to navigate through the process. And you do it with such professionalism and you're a leader. And uh, I commend you for that. And I wish you all the best in your hockey career. Maybe one day we'll have a couple corner battles or whatever. <laughs> if you're like Shea Weber, I might keep a puck out of your corner. Or <laughs> dodge a slap shot if you're on the power play or something, because I'm normally killing. But 
Um, I wish you all the best this year and, and your future too, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah. So talk to us about the Oil Kings. How are we looking? How's, uh, what's our biggest, obviously Winnipeg ice is up there, but who's the competition? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Winnipeg, um, Red Deer's got a good team. They're solid. We always kind of had trouble with them, but I mean, we're like, we're in a kind of a weird spot. Like we haven't been healthy all year. Yeah. And you know, we got sorted for the trade deadline, um, which is a huge boost for us. Um, we just, we just haven't got on a roll yet as a team. Like we, we play a couple of games and someone's getting injured or someone's getting suspended. Uh, the guys, we had five guys go to world juniors. Um, so like we never had, we haven't had a chance to really be a team yet. So I think like kind of this, hopefully we don't have any more injuries and kind of this, um, this little bit on, uh, you know, we can kind of figure out who we are as a team and kind of play to like that. Cause I mean, we went on a road trip yesterday and like, or sorry, last weekend. And, you know, the first game we played Saskatoon and we lost six one. And then, you know, we come out against PA the next day and we beat them. Like, I think the final score was six, two and completely dominated them. So just like little things like that, like we we have off nights and on nights and you can't really have that as a championship team. But I mean, we're so tight knit. Like I've known, I've known Gunther, like we played together growing up yeah. in minor hockey. So like, I've known him since I was seven. Um, I've known Gooley since I was 10. When's he uh, back? Gooley? Yeah, is he hurt or is he back? No, no, he's he's back. He's been playing for ever since World Juniors. We and we got COVID too, which yeah was another thing. Like we we had like fifteen of us get COVID. Um, but I mean we're just, we're just kind of going into our stride right now. Um, we have a good test. We have we play tomorrow at eleven. We play Regina, so we have a good test coming up. So, but you know we should be good and hopefully we can make a long run. What's the you guys no fans, right? Uh no, we got fans. Um yeah. we uh well we have like it's half capacity, but I mean yeah. like with our like with the junior fans in Edmonton, like we only get like three thousand in the building anyways. So it's not yeah. a big deal for us. But you can't eat or drink there uh, <laughs> right now, which I've I don't understand. Wild uh, but, dude. But uh I think Kenny just kind of caved in and took all the yeah. restrictions away now so hopefully yeah. we imagine yeah. playing a game like the women's hockey team last night in a mask <laughs> did you see that well, that was absurd that Dude, was absurd they actually <laughs> had to play with the masks on all yeah, of them stop or masks it was ridiculous yeah it was i uh I couldn't, I, uh, yeah, like I have a hard enough time with hockey conditioning anyways, but like chucking a mask into that as well. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> All right. And also don't let, uh, don't let Bedard do what he did last night. <laughs> I was actually so happy against, cause I, uh, the, the D man that I played with on Calgary, like yeah. when he was there, in Calgary, we never really got along great. Oh, uh, so Steve, Steve make that move on him and the goalie like I didn't have a good relationship with the goalie either so <laughs> pull those two moves off I was kind of loving it low-key yeah right that's you the worst watch. that's the no I saw that's the worst oh. feeling you make you make TSN top 10 but you're getting yeah, danced you're that, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh shit all right well uh we'll let you go um we can't thank you enough again um if you ever, I'm sure you've heard this a ton, but if you ever need anything from us, I mean, truly let us know. Um, 
I'll try and get uh, good old Fix Wolanski and Christian Chorney and the boys to bring me out to Blackhawk this summer. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. All right. Sounds good. Okay. All see right, you, Luke. Talk to you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Speak Your Mind. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with today's guest. You can stay up to date with new Speak Your Mind content by subscribing to our podcast channel or visiting torchpro.com for more. See you next show and have an awesome rest of your day.